Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing One Thing Leads to a Lover by Susanna Craig. This was just published in 2021 and is the second book in the Love and Let's Buy series. And for Full disclosure, we did receive an advanced reader copy of this book from NetGalley. So let's just dive right into it with the jacket. Amanda Bartlett, widowed Countess of Kingston, is a woman beyond reproach. Married at 19, she dutifully provided the Earl with an heir and a spare before his death three years ago. Since then, Amanda has lived a simple, quiet life, a life that if she were honest, has become more than a trifle dull. So when an adventure literally drops into her lap in the shape of a mysterious book, she intends to make the most of it, especially if it brings her closer to a charismatic stranger. Major Langley Stanhope, an intelligence officer and master mimic known as the Magpie, needs to retrieve the code book that has fallen into Amanda's hands. The mistaken delivery has put them both in grave danger and in a desperate race to unearth a traitor. It's also stirred an intense, reckless attraction. Langley believes the life he leads is not suitable for a delicate widow, but it seems he may have underestimated the lady's daring and the depths of their mutual desire. Uh, this is not bad. I actually think this is a pretty good jacket. I like it. I think it's a pretty good jacket. I don't think him believing his life is unsuitable for a delicate widow is actually conflict. No, I don't think that's the actual conflict either. But I don't have an issue with it being in the jacket. Yeah, I think it's an accurate jacket. The only thing I would say is a spy named Langley is laugh out loud stupid <laughs> why is that because langley virginia is where the cia is headquartered i know but i don't think it's laugh out loud stupid i think it's laugh out loud hilarious also this uh, is the second spy named langley i know and i'm just i'm over it as a trope but also i grew up on alias and they talk about langley all the time mm-hmm and so I just think it's such a, like, modern spy thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it was funny that the first time it was, like, I let it pass without comment because, like, okay, tongue-in-cheek. But now that it's clear it's a thing, stop. Did <laughs> you tell, like, several authors across the board that, that Lane from Plotris disapproves, guys? If you weren't first, stop. <laughs> well, as usual, we wrote our own summaries based on a random number. And this week, the number we generated was 24. So, Lane, what is your 24-word summary? Bored widow slash doormat finds excitement when she accidentally possesses a code book. The spy who needs it back has imposter syndrome and sex skills. Very good. So you are like, mm -hmm. I'm going to basically do the jacket, but make sure they understand that the actual conflict is imposter syndrome. And her doormatness. Yeah. I would yeah. like to state does not get resolved. Mm, I mean, I disagree, but I had major issues Ooh. with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so my summary is what to do when a sexy spy shows up at your house 
If you didn't say make out in the library, check your sources. You went with the most important thing. Yes, that is correct. And it's I called making it. out in the library. I respect it. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. <laughs> so uh, we're just going all in on the Regency Spies, guys. So Yeah, why did this all happen at once? <laughs> I don't know, but I also don't care because I loved it all. I've had a lot of, like, here's the thing. This is a bias. Even bad spy novels, I'm sort of here for. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say this was not a bad spy novel. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to insult Susanna Craig here. Like, this was a very acceptable entry into the genre but even a terrible spy novel I'm like oh god what the hell is gonna happen mm -hmm. like I'm never pissed off when I'm reading a spy novel yes yeah exactly exactly all the weird spy shit can happen and I'm like I'm good I'm fine with it fine with it like do I buy into this no am I interested in finding out how it works maybe <laughs> <laughs> so the first trope is is spies it's a spy yeah it's a spy um, he's a spy, and he was actually raised to be a spy because he was a sad, tragic orphan found on the streets by a spy master and then given to a family to take care of him before being given away to the spies. So form, those are like major spy tropes here. There's there's spy tropes and romance novel tropes, and I just I can't even handle. It's tropetastic, and I love it. It is. Um, one of the things I like about the romance genre lately it's really been delivering on the manic pixie dream boy for me. So it's where the, the woman, the heroine has to break out of her shell because most of the time the manic, the manic pixie dream girl is, you know, cute little twee girl who somehow brings light and life into some, you know, serious dude's life. But I just love it when it's the opposite. So in this case, she's not serious. She's, she's had to be serious. Right. And I think this but she's is where not you and I stoic. She's not she's, stoic. Sort of. She's this, sort of a rambling this is all where, over the place ingenue in her own way. Yeah. This is where I think you and I differ. I think I think our view of Amanda is a little bit different. So like Ooh, okay. Lane, I do agree that she was very doormat esque throughout most of the book. Um, she basically like swallowed down her feelings. She deferred to her mother's wishes. She deferred to her son's guardian's wishes. She did everything, just basically did everything that was expected to her, her entire life. Um, and while maybe on the inside, she wanted to be, you know, funny and fun and flighty, she wasn't actually like that. And it was, it's only with Stanhope, with Langley, that she becomes a rambly ingenue. So in that sense, that's what I'm saying. He's a manic pixie dream boy. Manic pixie dream magpie is what I call him. Okay. Because he's the one who gets her to be whimsical and fun and break out of her shell the way a manic pixie dream girl does. Okay. So I'm seeing it as his influence rather than this is her. I mean, maybe that's her natural tendencies, but she's been stuffing them down for so many years that she hasn't been able to indulge in them. I think you're right, but now I want to have a much longer conversation we should probably skip for now about the okay. difference in the way the stoic man is written versus the way Amanda was written. Yes, let's do it. Let's skip it and talk about it later because we have a lot of other tropes to get through. 
We do. So like, I don't think now is the time, but I do want to say like, I think Meg's probably right, but I think I missed it in a way because the stoicism of a woman was portrayed so much differently. Mm. So what are some other tropes? We, I, there's many. Oh my God. There are 45 billion coincidences in this book. And I was Mm -hmm. actually sort of over it. Like, here's the thing, not really because spy book, I'll let throw whatever at me, but like, the conflict is set up because a spy fleeing a mission randomly happens to bump into her on the street. Mm. And then someone in her household randomly is sort of aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's also people happen to be familiar with her household because her husband, husband was happened, happened to be to previously be. involved before his death. It was just all very, are there three people in London? I mean, the spy world is a very small world, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So she is the widow widow who is determined never to remarry. Yes. And he has, as Lane points out in her summary, imposter syndrome. And he, he doesn't, he was knighted and he just doesn't deserve, he doesn't deserve it. And I think we've seen this a couple of different ways, right? Sometimes it's a title was bestowed on me and I didn't deserve it. And sometimes I've inherited a title. Yeah. And either... I didn't expect to ever have it and I lived like I'd never get it. And like, why did the good guy have to die? Or it's, I was somehow involved in the death of the individual who held the title I inherited. So I think like we've seen a lot of different permutations of this, Mm -hmm. but the concept of sitting there saying like holding a title, a man feels like he doesn't deserve is something that's pretty frequently in romance in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he pretends to be, he pretends to be several different people. I mean, he is a spy, but most of the people he pretends to be are servants. To the point that he eventually inserts himself into her household. It's my favorite one because it also happened in Thief of Shadows. Um, He becomes her children's tutor. I love it. I love this trope. I also think it's interesting and we've talked a lot in previous reviews, whether it was somebody pretending to be a tutor or a noble person and an actual tutor, mm-hmm. that tutors held this sort of in-between societal place. And mm-hmm. so it does not eradicate the class discrepancy issues, but it does something to mitigate them. Tutors were not optionless in a way I think we'd view a lot of other servants as in the romance pantheon. Well, and that said, in, in both of the books that I love so much with the tutors, the choice to become a tutor, it, it, the, there's, not, there's not a true employer-employee relationship. Oh, absolutely. But I think what the authors who choose to make people masquerade as tutors are, are sort of leaning into is this idea that it's not a subservient position. Yes. So whether it's fictional in these cases where, like, obviously employer-employee is not at play, I think tutors are often a frequent alias or true occupation in romance novels because of this nebulous space they occupied. Mm-hmm. Next topic. I love it so much. <laughs> I, love the tu- I love the tutor. It's, I love it so much more than the governess. But. <laughs> Actually, God, we could get into a whole conversation about gender differences there. Keep uh-huh. going. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I think you need to take the next trip, line. <laughs> Oh, my God. So they go to, like, this space he hasn't been in since a tragedy occurred, and then they fuck in what was his room at the time. And I cannot tell you, 
I'm beginning to view sex in like places, significant places from someone's past, like performing a sage cleansing. Like <laughs> sex is like somehow not just like purifying or cleansing in their relationship, but like actually reimagining the context of a space for someone who's traumatized mm-hmm. yeah. has become such a friggin' trope that I am now like referring to this type of sex as staging in shorthand in my brain. <laughs> like they staged it. Okay. They went to his childhood bedroom and they staged it. It's good. It's all good. Um, and then Amanda is not only a widow. She also has children. Who? I... Yeah. They, they do play a role in the, in the book. I thought the way the jacket talks about them as the heir and the spare mm-hmm. echoed the way she sort of thinks of them in the prologue. Mm-hmm. And as I read more of the book, I actually thought that was really out of character. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't think that they were like just plot device children. I thought they actually had some character and then, were there to show her character development as well. But I don't think she ever would have thought of them as the heir and the spare. No, I don't think so. Like, I, I think the thought thing that she did in the book's introduction was convenient for the author, but ultimately inauthentic. Yeah. That's fine. That's, that, <laughs> Thanks, Meg. <laughs> no, I, I, it didn't, obviously did not strike me as being like, was it because she was thinking about how she had always been the good girl and done what she was supposed to do? Yeah. So the introduction yeah. is about her relationship with her mother. Right. And how she, there's several points in her life where she thought her mom would have backed off. Yeah. And one of them was when she finally produced the air and the spare. Yeah. And like the rest of that paragraph, I sort of got like, and thought back to in her like witty interior monologue and was totally fine with like, even the way she downplayed her marriage, like all of that I thought was like in character to make her point. But I actually didn't think this was a woman who's even in her own head thought of her children as the heir and the spare. Yeah. I mean, I, I if I were going to defend it, which I'm, I don't think I am because honestly it, it didn't strike me enough for it to be something to defend, but I would say probably it was her thinking of this is how my mother would think of it. But okay. again, I, I don't know if that actually happened because I don't remember it. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's my half-hearted defense. <laughs> um, so if you recall in our discussion of the first book, who's that Earl, both of us were reminded strongly of the matchmaking mastermind present in several different series, including Carsington. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not sorry. I thought it worked less well here than it did in the first book. Oh, I don't know. It didn't bother me. I liked it. I think I just liked the the idea in general. And so I enjoyed it. I was fine until the very end. Oh, the epilogue? Yeah. Yeah. I did not think the epilogue worked here. Yeah. I mean, they're using, so Susanna Craig is using, here's a question for you. Do you prefer to set up the next book with chapters in a totally different viewpoint, a la Elizabeth Hoyt in Maiden Lane, or would you prefer just an epilogue? I prefer neither, frankly. Like, either set it up organic. (laughs) No, it is. Either have the characters who are appearing in the subsequent books appear in this book as side characters and sort of imply they're going to lead the next one. Or just make it clear there's a common thread and then make that common thread apparent 
throughout the text. I don't, I mean, shoe, I'm never going to like shoehorning completely different characters plots in whether it's in the middle or at the end. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Put that in that person's book and only give me enough. Like the, for the record, the guy introduced in the epilogue, who's clearly the hero of the next book did not even appear in this book at all. He didn't. And neither so will like, the heroine. Yeah. And so it was just, it was, but the, the heroes are what's tying the plot together. So, like, you don't need to remind me in the epilogue of book two that there's this matchmaker. Mm -hmm. I know that already. And I've seen him pulling the strings throughout this entire text. So the concept that the third book in the series is going to be him pulling someone else's strings, randomly introducing another guy by description in the epilogue does nothing for me. Mm -hmm. It added literally nothing. I just have to say that you completely ruined my game of Would You Rather, Lane, so thanks. It's okay. At the end, so at least it's easier to skip when I reread. <laughs> I was going to say, it's okay, fine. <laughs> at the end, because then it's easier to skip upon rereading. Yeah. Is that an answer? That's Yes, that's an answer. <laughs> because that's also my answer, I think. Is really? Like, okay. Yeah, just stick it in the end, and that way I can I don't have to read it. <laughs> you know? But I had to read it the first time, and I kept waiting for them to say something about this book, and it never happened. It didn't happen, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It it, it was it was Sinster-esque in a way, because, you know, at the end of those books, they'd be like, and then Vane was like. I'm never going to get married. Yeah. But here's the thing. At least Vane had appeared throughout the book. It's true. What's the one? The one that. Also, if you're comparing something to a Sinster, you failed. There was the one, the one where the mother was like, whatever. That's the one I'm thinking of because Demon was like, I am getting out of here because I'm not getting married. And his mom was like, whatever. I forgot one of their names was Demon. Demon. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. just want to reread the sisters. Oh. So, yeah. So, so for me, yeah, Amanda was like super annoying at the beginning. Like, she really was what's it kind of a Cinderella, you know, or a Griselda figure where she just takes all the abuse of everyone and swallows it down because she has to be what she thinks of as a good mother. And her, her own mother is keeping her under her thumb and the, her sons have a guardian. So she's not the sole guardian of her sons. Um, her, at her husband's death, he also named another man co-guardian with her. And so she's also got to keep this guy happy in order for her to basically keep seeing her sons. Because let's be honest, in a co-guardianship between a man and a woman in Regency England, the man's wishes are going to trump the woman's all the time. Even if the woman is the biological mother and the man is merely a guardian. Correct. I actually had less of a problem with her deference to the Guardian because I understand strategically why that was necessary. Her relationship with her mother never worked for me in the text. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I, I feel like it went from, you know, she was young, she got married very young, she had kids, her husband died, and then 
the text implies that then for the next two years or so, she's kind of just happy to have her mother take charge because she was grieving and trying to take care of her kids. Do I think that, would I have preferred that she be a little more assertive a little earlier in the book? Yeah, I think I would. I think if what her mother had done had amounted to like running the household, Mm -hmm. I would have viewed that a lot more sympathetically. Her mother responds to her correspondence in her name. Mm-hmm. Her mother takes things that she has hidden and gives them to other people within the household. It is so far beyond just mom stepped up and hasn't stepped down in a moment when I needed her. Right. To full-blown control and secrecy. That she's like, I know it's coming from a place of love, so I don't mind that you decide when I'm leaving the house and tell my friends when I'm going to be somewhere in my own name. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought it was really egregious, and I was completely unable to see the mother sympathetically. And yeah. Amanda, at no point in the text, stands up to her mother. In yeah. the conclusion, she does what she wants to do and doesn't justify herself to her mother. But at no point is there a moment when she confronts her mom about the gross violations of privacy and autonomy that she's been inflicting on her daughter. Yeah. That at least in the entire time we're in Amanda's POV in the text, Amanda is incredibly uncomfortable with. Yeah. And that's where I say, like, I don't think her doormat tendencies ever got resolved. Like maybe she starts figuring out how to do what she wants, but she never learns to assert herself without help. Even her stand up to the boy's guardian happens because Langley inserts himself. Well, I had, that was the hardest part of the book for me, actually, was how the Guardian gets, dealed with, gets dealt with, mm-hmm. because he couldn't just be a bad Guardian, right? He couldn't just be a clueless man, whatever. The it, Because if he had just been a clueless, you know, stiff shirt kind of guy, they never, she never would have gotten rid of him. That's what was mm-hmm. really hard for me, is... She never stood up to him on her own. She only stood up to him because it turned out he was a bad guy. Right. Right. And to me, that was actually probably, uh, I, this was the only thing in the book that I put under um, trigger warning or offensiveness, actually, because when I read Regencies, when I read historical romances, I mean, we've talked about this before. Part of the reason we read them is because we, we want to see women kind of fighting against and triumphing over the um, conventions of the era, right? While wearing pretty clothes and diamonds. Right. And that doesn't happen here. No one triumphed over any conventions. What happened was they were able to beat the conventions because it turned out that they could blackmail this guy, basically. Actually, I would say there are some B characters who get more of that triumph over conventions arc than the main couple. No, definitely. But that that was actually really, really hard for me. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm a mother and so I could identify a little bit more with the thought of, like, losing my child that way. Um, but that was, like, very difficult for me to read. My, her lack of care about her own autonomy was my problem Mm -hmm. at least I agree with you the fact that the way the guardian was handled was terrible not defending it in the slightest at least he got what was coming to him 
not I mean, the yeah. way I wish she had, not because of her own assertiveness. But like, this is where I say, I don't think she ever stopped being a doormat. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was very frustrating to me, but I, I did feel like she did step up later, but um, I guess this is just something that you and I are going to disagree on. Yeah. But no, so like, I'm not trying to say the way she handled the guardian was better or worse than the way she handled her mother. Yeah. Obviously her mother was not evil. But I do think when push came to shove and it mattered, she never really asserted herself with the yeah. two obstacles she had in chapter one. Yes. But I, so I talked about this under tropes. I really like that. Do I love that it's through the, through the catalyst of a man that she starts to assert herself? I don't love it, but I do love the idea of this trope. Um, asserting itself this masculine very masculine guy like getting her to be more whimsical and more fun I like yes well and I will say I liked their dynamic a lot for all that Mm. I just criticized I did not really like Amanda I'm gonna be very honest (laughs) but I totally got why they work together yeah I think Susanna Gregg did a really good job making their courtship fun and sexy I, I really liked them together a lot myself. I really liked them um, because I know I've just said that he is like the manic, manic pixie dream boy to her, but she does the same thing to him. She gets, she softens him a little bit, you know, like he's very much all about the mission. And then he ends up being like, yes, I'm all about the mission. And the mission requires that I become a tutor to her sons and live in her house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it was really fun. There's a line where he's like figuring out his feelings for her at the end where his boss basically conveys that working shit out with her is an order. Right. And it just made me laugh about the way everyone else is going like, if you need to hear it's an order to do it, it's an order. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's really fun. Um, I really liked that the spy reveal was pretty early on in the text. Okay. From the purposes of a romance novel, yes, I like that. From the purposes of thinking he ever was a good spy. <laughs> Dude had no chill. He did. He did not. He didn't have any chill. But um, I don't know. I liked it. And I really enjoyed the times when they meet each other. So they meet each other for the first time when he pretends to be a bookstore, a clerk for the bookstore. And then he comes back at night, you know, and... He's hiding in the garden. Of course, she manages to suss him out. Then they see each other. He's pretending to be a footman at a different ball. And then Tudor, right? Am I missing another disguise? I think you've got them all. I think I have them There's all. A mo- they have another interaction. Mm-hmm. But he's not in disguise at that point. Yeah. So, so I, I, that was just really fun for me. Um, all the different times where they met and his different characters and different disguises. But of course she gets the, she can see through them all, you know, <laughs> I will say I loved all of that with him. I did actually think the coincidences of the beginning and their initial meeting were too confusing. Okay. Um, so she goes to the bookstore to buy a gift for her son, a spy on the run simultaneously recognizes her as being in the same bookstore as him 
to bump into her, to quickly change the packages. And it turns out she's in the midst of all the shit already. Mm. Like, I got confused as to who he was in that whole pantomime. Mm-hmm. And the answer was no one. It was no one, yeah. Right, but, like, I think they, the, the coincidences were so heavy in the beginning, I actually found it a little hard to follow where he fell into them. Okay. Was it I, two in the morning when I started this book? Yes. I was going to say I didn't have that issue, but we have shown ourselves to have some different, differing opinions on this book. So I needed to be a little more intentional, I think, or I needed there not to be so many coincidences. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I did love, I did love how, from a plot perspective, I'm willing to write off that he's an amazing spy who just can't lie to his one true love. And therefore they start working together much earlier in the text. Mm -hmm. And goodness knows I am always here for that. Oh my God. I loved it so much. All the times they were working together. I I really loved it. I loved every time he thanked her for her service to the crown and then had to show up the next day. Like there is some really cute recurring themes in terms of like him needing to involve her in his work and that like made up for a lot of flaws in this book for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, just them together. I, they were just really, really a fun couple, I thought, together. When he showed up dressed like a peacock at the opera, just mm-hmm. so she'd notice him, and then they had to, like, talk through the fence because her key was broken. There's a lot of really cute, funny, courtshipy moments that really worked for me in this book. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, I think I can forgive a lot if I really like my couple, and I like them a lot, so... Okay, so there's, like, I mentioned he has imposter syndrome. And he has a title he doesn't think he deserves. And that has to do with a failed mission, basically. Yeah. Yes, so he so he has imposter syndrome because he earned this thing that he didn't think he should earn. So he also has a major case of survivor's guilt. And the person who he let down was survived by someone else who is now still in his world. Mm-hmm. And I did not like her character or the way that was handled. Yeah, same. Didn't love it. I was wondering if she was going to be the heroine of the next book, but no. No. I think they're setting her out to be the next one. Okay. I think she's going to get more into spy life and have to actually become a spy for then the master manipulator to want to get her out of spy life by finding her a partner. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible. We'll see, guys. We'll see if our wild speculations come true, because sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. (laughs) Mostly they don't. (laughs) Yeah. And it was simultaneously, like, his survivor's guilt and the way that situation was handled, and her character, if it didn't work for me. Like, it it was the two combined. He did a really douchey thing that I don't feel like the text ever really dealt with. Yeah. But apparently this was a while ago. Yeah. And the way they're still interacting is really bizarre. Well, and I, like, he did a douchey thing, but it was, it was just, like, douchey. It wasn't, like, horrible. We read another spy book where the guy showed up late, mm-hmm. and because of it, somebody got assassinated. But, like, the Mark, not his partner. Yes. Um, it wasn't a spy. It was... Uh, a bodyguard. It was the bodyguard. It was a 
ladies from the left. This reminded me of that. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yes. But in that one, he, anyway, he was more douchey in that one. Correct. So that's why I was like, okay, I mean, like, yes, but also not that terrible. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I, I think, I think we talked about the content warning, unless you had something else that you found like offensive or, or difficult. Nope. All right. Um, I thought this book was really sexy. Yes. So I, this book does it. follow Meg's rule for blowjobs. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it does. So that's fine, obviously. But most importantly, their first hookup involves a library. Mm -hmm. And I thought desks were my favorite thing. But maybe library doors are your favorite? Is that what you're... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also like it when... I don't know. I find her like mild panic attack about like, oh my god, I didn't lock the door. Actually, really relatable. I didn't find much about her character relatable. But her like, okay, I came in here knowing what he was asking, but I didn't believe it enough to take the necessary precautions. And now I can't really get into what he's doing with my body because I'm sort of overthinking this like little thing. Can he fix it? And then he fixes it, and it's really good. Like that was probably the most relatable moment in the book for me. I also love the next morning she because she has to go in the library for something else. And she's like, hmm. Well, and then he has to go down to get his glasses because he's forgotten them. And he'd originally told her sons they'd be tutored in the library that day. And he was like, can't do that. Never mind. Yeah, they're in the library. He's like, you know what? I think maybe we're going to do some fencing lessons instead. <laughs> I need to exert myself. It was so, oh, my God. The whole, yes. The, you, you, okay, so they saged his room but in this case it was they didn't like sage room. they were like now this room is you know needs another exorcism because they can't go in there without being infected with the ghost of what happened the night before you know but it's a good ghost it's a good it's a good ghost guys i happy spirit i don't know yeah no it was i just wasn't i had a lot of hmm, let me think about this based on the characters they both been up to that point in the novel just how for lack of a better word raw that whole sequence was mm -hmm. sort of felt like it came out of nowhere but not in a bad way and I don't mean that just because of how sexy it was like it felt like a like I think I hadn't realized how close both characters were to like boiling over mm -hmm. and then the second that scene started when they're trying to keep their hands off each other it was really really apparent yeah like, I knew something was going to happen when she went to the library. But just how, like, caution to the wind it all was, was unexpected, but in a very justified, perfect way. Mm -hmm. I, I I liked it. I, I thought the sex was, was well-written. I mean, it was very sexy, but also made sense for them, made sense for the plot. I don't know. It, it thought it was well done here. I also have been complaining all episode that she was a doormat. Mm -hmm. I do think one of the things she'd been sort of doormatty about was asserting what she wanted from men in her mm -hmm. widowhood. Mm -hmm. And for all that this book is not her figure, not this book, this scene is not her figuring that out. 
it is a scene where she finally like asserts her own ownership of her destiny in that way. Yeah. And I think it was in a weird way, the most empowered I thought she ever was in the whole book. Well, and this is, this has to do with the Tudor thing too, you know, because I do think the fact that he's the tutor and she is in a position of power in one way or the, or the other, I think contributed to that in a good way. Oh, you're definitely right. I don't know. Apparently, I really identified with Amanda in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because I am not like a dramatic person. Like I'm, I'm always very, you know, pretty assertive <laughs> in my For the record, Meg and I are not doormats. It's why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> If you couldn't tell from the whole, we went on the internet to publicly talk about sex with random people we don't know. Right. But so, so it was, that's why I'm saying it was really, really hard for me to read her um, at the beginning. Cause I didn't, I was like, ugh, I was like, she's just, she's just like choking everything, keeping everything in. Um, and she obviously was just like, she resented it, but she wasn't doing anything about it. But, um, I, I, it, it really spoke to me as something I, I hate to be that person. I hate to be, God, I hate it so much, but I'm going to say it. You know, I do think that like when you, for me, at least when I became a mother, there were things that changed for me, like the way I saw the world or the way I interacted with the world. And I think this was part of it is she's so focused on her kids that she hasn't been focused on herself for a really long time. I believe you. I hear what you're saying. Mentally, it's, not it's, there. It's like, the I hate it. I hate it when people say that you don't know what love is until you have a child. And I'm like, that's, that's not true. It's just not true. <laughs> but <laughs> th things do change, you know? No, so, uh, of course they do, but like, and I, look, I, I get it, you know, she just sort of sucks and I can't blame that on motherhood. I mean, yeah, I, I understand. I think I identified more with her. That's all. I'm not saying I would have acted the same way she did. Cause I don't think that I would have. I identified with her in that library. <laughs> Yeah, that library was really hot, guys. It wasn't the only scene, for the record. No, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I think if I had one complaint about the sex in this book, and it's not really a complaint, the only kiss they have prior to that hookup is a kiss so we don't get caught. Mm -hmm. And I do wish there'd been a few more, like, stolen in-betweens. Mm -hmm. That said, I do think what worked worked really well here because I think that's part of why I'm saying I didn't realize how close they both were to boiling over mm -hmm. until they were in the room together. And I was like, oh, shit, like they are. But I, I kind of wish this book didn't have a whole lot outside of the two really steamy sex scenes. No, it didn't. And I, I think upon reflection, a little bit more physicality in the interim would have been appreciated. Yeah. I don't know when. 
One of the things I actually liked about this book a lot is you get a lot of the female gaze as it relates to um, Langley. So it's not just Amanda, but like, like housemaids will just look at him like, because look, we did not have a gentleman Jackson's get fit workout for him because we don't, we don't do it for spies. He, he, He just, he just, he just is built. He's just a spy. So we like, there's no, we Assume all spies are jacked, and the reason they are jacked is they are spies. Right. But one of my favorite parts was, like, he has, he gets this tutor's bedroom, which is this tiny little bedroom in the attic off the schoolroom. He can't open the window because it's been painted shut, and it's the middle of the summer. So it's, like, super hot. And he, like, takes off his waistcoat and his jacket to take a nap. And then when he wakes up, he's, like, all sweaty. And he, you know, sponges, sponges off a little and he like comes out and the housemate is just like, oh, you know, so to me, this was just like such a female gaze moment, you know, this was for the, the female reader. I loved it. I, I, I forget what book it was, but there was one we reviewed recently that may or may not have come out yet where I was sort of like, I was, there were way too many paragraphs about the heroine's boobs for me yeah. to like really be into it. Exactly. This is the opposite. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I loved it so much. I thought it was so great. He was the focus. And I also, this book gets rounded up for me by how charged they were. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to put it. Like when they did hook up, it felt really earned. Mm hmm. And I bought in so fully, and it involved a library, so like 50 out of 10. (laughs) So, I mean, you know what? I think you should probably check this book out. I think it was more fun than not. I think we generally had the same issues, which was Amanda's character. Mm -hmm. Um, And how much you like it, I think, is going to depend on your interpretation of that. This book unfairly suffers in terms of my opinion because we've read so many really good spy books lately. That's true. We've been reading a lot of spies lately. And we've been reading a lot of great spy books. And this mm-hmm. was good. It just didn't fall into my grade. Yeah. So I think, honestly, if we read this six months, months from now in the middle of a series of, like, teenagers and, like, women overcoming sexual assault, I would have been like, this is my breath of fresh air. Thank <laughs> God. A billion points. <laughs> But because we've read, like, so many good spy books lately, even within our last 10 episodes, this wasn't, wouldn't be my first. Yeah. I totally think it's worth reading. Yeah. But I guess our I guess our advice is space out your spies. But this ranks. So. Did you like this or who's that Earl better? I like this one better. What about you? Okay. I don't know. I just thought of the question when I asked you. <laughs> I mean, for me, there's no question. I really like this one a lot more. They had such different problems for me. Mm-hmm. The highs of this one were higher. The lows of this one were lower. I think overall, the first one was just a generally mediocre book. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's insulting. It was better than mediocre. The first one was just like a generally okay book. Yeah. Whereas this one, I felt like the things I dislike, I dislike more vehemently. But the things I liked, I liked more passionately. Yeah. This one reminded me a little bit of Elizabeth Boyle's books. 
Yeah, and I don't think you've read any of her spy books yet, but this one, this reminded me of her spy books. So I was like, oh, I love this. I really liked it. So a lot of, you know, okay. London spies and back news and stuff like that. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Definitely check this one out. And check us out around the internet at uh, Goodreads um, slash Plotrist, Instagram at Plotrist. And then you can also rate, review, and subscribe if you feel like it. We'd love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>